you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm the 77th chapter. And then turn over to Psalm 136 and maybe put a bulletin or your finger there because I'm going to use these two psalms this morning. The title of my sermon is When Darkness Falls. When Darkness Falls. I want you to think about that. When you're surrounded by darkness, when everything looks bleak, when despair and depression and all those things kind of flood in. Let's pray together. Father, we pray in these few moments that we have together that you would help us to hear clearly from your word by your spirit. And Father, I thank you for 45 years of marriage to my lovely wife, Brenda. I thank you for that great celebration. And I pray for my nephew, Ben, and his new wife, Emily, that you'd be with them, help them to know your presence as they begin their journey of life together, married couple. And others in our church family, Father, we pray this morning, whatever the need is, whatever the, the darkness, whatever the despair, whatever the difficulty, whatever the struggle, struggle or trial, that you'll be in our midst and that you'll work in our midst always in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Another anniversary occurred on August the 14th of this year. It was the 15th year of the worst power outage in the United States of America. Some trees, Mike, fell across some power lines. Knocked out 21, hear me, 21 power stations, 21 plants. 50 million people left in darkness. It knocked out Toronto, Canada, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, New York City, they were all affected by the dark. Now, it happened in the middle of the afternoon, 4.15, but as the sun began to go down, the darkness continued. Hospitals that didn't have backup generators were pretty much out of business. Police stations, fire departments, subways didn't work, transportation didn't work, no light, no power, nothing. Phones did not work. Oh, we would be so upset. So upset if phones didn't work. Have you ever been in a power outage where everything was knocked out and it was dark? Happens in the middle of the night, you hear that clap of thunder and the flash of lightning and you, you jump and then you go to hit the light switch and nothing happens. Nothing happens. You think, well, something's happened somewhere. We don't have any power. So you you figure out a way to call the power company. And you call them and you let them know, hey, we, we don't have any power over here. You wait a few minutes, most of us do, hoping that it'll come back on, but it's temporary. Have you ever lit candles in your house at night so you could see because it was so dark, because the storm persisted? Or maybe it's in the middle of the night and you hear a sound. I'm not talking to the right group. <laughs> I think it's up in the attic. No, they couldn't get in our attic. It's too full. <laughs> Got to be outside. Or maybe you're driving home at night, driving along, and all of a sudden the power goes off of the car, and you have to kind of steer it off the road, and it's just the car is dead, and it's pitch dark, and you reach in the 
glove compartment for your little flashlight, and you get it out, and you're so happy you put a flashlight in there, and you turn it on, and the battery's dead. And you open it up, and you see how encrusted it is with acid from the battery. You think, oh, I should have changed that. And you're out there on a country road or a highway, and cars are going by 100 miles an hour. I'm telling you, folks, you need to be careful on Highway 6. Or maybe you're there all at home alone by yourself. And you begin to have this fear that comes up and wells up inside of you that something's not right, something, something's wrong. The psalmist Asaph was having a bad day, folks. Darkness was falling all around him. He was struggling in his faith and in his life. Psalm 77, listen to it. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and my soul refused to be comforted. Have you ever been there? No matter what you did. I remembered you, O God, and I groaned. I mused, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. Have you ever spent a sleepless night where no matter what you did, you could not sleep? I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart mused and my spirit inquired, Will the Lord reject us forever? Will he never show his favor again? Key verse number eight. His, has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in his anger withheld his compassion? I want to tell you, Asaph's having a bad day. And he's complaining to God. I want you to hear it from the message. Peterson puts it this way. I found myself in trouble and I went looking for the Lord. My life was an open wound that would not heal. When friends said, oh, everything will turn out all right, I didn't believe a word they said. I remember God and shake my head. I bow my head, then wring my hands. I'm awake all night, not a week of, wink of sleep. I can't even say what's bothering me. Reality check, folks. There'll be times in each of our lives when darkness surrounds and descends upon us. And when we wrestle with difficulties and trials and depression may be a part of it. And believe it or not, the winter season, and I know we're in the end of summer, the winter season is the worst time because the light grow, grows dim and the cold is there and some people have difficulty in winter. Depression can come from all sorts of areas. Mostly it comes from a sort of a loss that can trigger it. You know, I, I was at a wedding last night, a family wedding down in Austin. Beautiful wedding. Wonderful wedding. Thirty years ago, I did the wedding for the groom's mother and father in Austin, Texas. Here we are 30 years later, and one of their sons is getting married, and they have four. Second son getting married. Married a beautiful girl. But after the wedding was over, I was sitting with my Aunt Sudie, who I love dearly. And she's been suffering from what's called sad heart syndrome broken heart syndrome. You say, well, what's that about? I never heard. It mimics a heart attack. I never heard of it even until I started reading about it. A doctor diagnosed it. And he asked her one simple question. How many losses have you had in the last few months in a year? 
Well, her husband died a year ago. Been one of her classmates. And I did the service for both her husband and for the man she worked for for 30 to 40 years that was one of the finest people I've ever known. Just did his service a few weeks ago. And then she lost her dog. You say, well, that's no big deal. You know, some people love their dog as much as they do their family or more because their dog's always wagging their tail and greeting them with a grin. And we can't say that about all the family members, can we? Lost a fellow classmate. She's wrestled with two to three times of cancer herself. Her daughter has had cancer. I mean, I started going down the list of all the stuff. No wonder she has bad heart trouble. And she's sitting there and she was telling me, she says, you know, she calls me Bubba. Bubba, I thought I was having a heart attack, but I didn't feel like I was having a heart attack. It just hurt inside. When we got her to the hospital, half of her heart was not working. Now you tell me how that happened. No heart attack. Just sad heart tremblings. So much grief, so much heartache, so much darkness that had descended on her, she couldn't get past it. Did you hear the text in all of Asaph's problems? Will the Lord reject me forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? In other words, has God, forgot, has God forgotten where I live and who I am? Says he cares. I love what the message says. I go over the days one by one. I've pondered the years gone by. I strum my lute all through the night wondering how to get my life together. Have you ever wondered how to get your life together when everything's toppled its head? Everything's turned upside down. Will the Lord walk off and leave us for good? Will he never smile again? Is his love worn threadbare? Has his salvation promise burned out? Has God forgotten his manners? You ever felt that way about God? Just my luck, I said. The high God goes out of business just the moment when I need him. Now, that's a complaint, folks. I want to share something with you. God is big enough to handle all problems. And I want you to see what Asap did to deal with his complaints. Look down at verse 11. A revelation comes to him. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. <laughs> oh, Asap was having a bad, bad day. Have you ever had those days in your life? You know, when the diagnosis is not good, maybe even terminal, has God rejected you or forgotten you? When the cars broke down and the toilets overflowing and the washing machines also overflowing, you had those kind of days. When you're in the ER with one of your family members and there's broken bones and there's some medical uncertainties, is God hearing your prayers? And by the way, we've been in the ER with all three of our kids on the same day. Years ago. When you're having marital or financial stress, which may be caused by job loss or some difficulty or being overextended or living beyond your means, has God forgotten you? Or have you been forgotten by God? When your son or daughter is not called to check in, when you may think not everything is okay with them, is God still working? When the storm comes in the night and it rips through the neighborhood and you look out the window and it's dark, but you can see with the flash of lightning the debris laying everywhere around. When 
that loved one calls and said they've been arrested and they're in jail. When the call comes in the night and the loved one has passed, will God comfort us in our grief? Asaph has all of these questions and concerns, and verse 11 gives the answer to his concern. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I'll remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Now, turn over to Psalm 136 briefly. I want you to look at one phrase that occurs 26 times in this psalm. One phrase, 26 times. There's 26 letters in the alphabet, our American alphabet. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. But this phrase occurs 26 times in this psalm. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. I'm not going to read all 26. I know y'all can count them. Some of you would count. Well, that's number five. That's number six. Well, he skipped over 15. No, it's only... You see, Psalm 136 echoes the answer. As Asaph considers the miracles and the ways which God has worked and has redeemed his people and has continued to work in our world. The old KJV says his mercy endures forever. The New Living Translation says his faithful love endures forever. I will remember, I will remember this morning how God has worked in our lives. For me this week. I've been reflecting on how God has worked in our life. 45 years of marriage, my lovely wife. We've recounted times that we've spent together, places we've been, things that we've been through, all kinds of things. I will remember this morning, will you remember how God has worked in your life? How God pulled us through sickness and gave us extra time on this earth. His love endures forever. When the diagnosis is not good, maybe even terminal, his love endures forever. When the car and the toilet and the washer are all on the blink, broken down at the same time, his love endures forever. When you're in the ER with one of your family members and there's all kinds of medical conditions and concerns and maybe broken bones, his love endures forever. We've actually had, I told you, all three of our children in the ER in one day. Now I want to tell you, that's an experience. You know, if you get a call from the school once, you think, well, are we going to the principal's office? No, your son's laying out here on the playground, and he's, he's out cold. We need you up here. And quite frankly, when I walked up there, my son was going back for a fly ball on the old playground, and he ran into a steel basketball goal. That'll do you in. The basketball goal didn't bend, didn't give, nothing. Our little girl that day was going across those monkey bars. <coughs> And our son that afternoon was on a school trip and he went to the ER in Hillsboro from a skating accident and they called in on a flat disc. Hear me. When your son or your daughter has not called to check in, his love endures forever. When that loved one calls and they've been arrested, no matter for what, his love endures forever. When marital and financial stress has occurred and is occurring and will continue to occur, his love endures forever. When the storm has come in the night and things are in disarray, his love endures forever. When the call has come that the loved one has passed, his love endures forever. 
When darkness comes and we're surrounded by despair and fear, His love endures forever. I will remember. I'll remember the miracle. I'll remember the difficulty in the child's birth. The first one, 25 hours, bless her heart. She was ready to strangle me and the doctor before we got Joshua healed. You know? I'll remember the little grandchildren. We've had two of them. Two of them out of the six have ended up in NICU with Alzheimer's and tubes and breathing apparatuses and wondering where they're going to make it. God works miracles. His love endures forever. I'll remember how we survived the car wreck. How we recuperated. His love endures forever. I'll remember the fall and the broken bone. Right, Brenda? His love endures forever. Three hospital trips. Steel plates, 13 pins, one big titanium rod. His love endures forever. I'll remember the financial stress and the marital stress and how God led us through it. His love endures forever. I'll remember how God provided for our needs and how he supplied those needs not just once, but time and time and time again. I shared with Doc this last week. Transmission out on the Suburban. Coming home with what's left of the burnout fire that we endured. And we're a mile from my mother and father-in-law's house, Brenda's mom and dad. And the transmission goes out on a four-wheel drive suburban. And Brenda has a little baby in her arms. It's just a couple of months old. And I get out and I walk to the house, to the farmhouse. And I go get her daddy and he comes down and ties the chain on. And he pulls the suburban and the trailer up to the house. And the next morning I say, Lord, how are we going to pay for a transmission? You know we're flat broke. Where's the money going to come from, Lord? How is it going to be taken care of? And I call in Transmission Shop in Waco and it's $596 to fix that transmission. I realize that's been a long time ago. They're not that cheap anymore. They're closer to two grand now. And I walk out to the mailbox to get Brenda's mom and dad's money. Hear me. And there's a check in there an envelope with our name on it and inside that envelope is a check and a word from the couple we had met at a play over at MCC. And they say, we were praying this morning and we know you've been through some struggles and here's a check for $600. We know you have need of it. Miracle, folks. And God shall supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. His love endures forever. I'll remember the wonderful trip to see family, to visit another country, to see things I'd only read about. His love endures forever. I will remember how God answered prayer and how he's worked in my life and I thought all was hopeless and lost and his love endures forever. I'll remember the cards and the letters that have come just at the right time that have brought comfort and encouraging words just at the right time because His love endures forever. I'll remember the job loss and how God opened up a new door and gave me hope and purpose again when I didn't have the faith to believe because His love endures forever. You ever been a graduate from college and you couldn't get a job? Right here. 42 places with a Baylor degree trying to get a job. They wouldn't even hire me at Baylor as a gray man to mow the grass. I was too educated. I love mowing grass, though. 
I shared this before. I love mowing grass because I can see what's been done. It's instant gratification for me. I can work with people like you and like me for years and years and years and not see progress. But his love endures forever. His love endures forever. I remember how I was ready to quit and something happened that showed me God is still working and I prayed and decided to stay and work things out. And that's true of all of us at home, at work, on the job, at church, wherever. You see, God can reach us even in our deepest despair. He can reach us. He's reached me time and time again, blessed me time and time again through one miracle after another, through one amazing thing that happened, showing me time and again that his love endures forever. I want to close with the story from Buck McFanning. You say, well, who's Buck McFanning? Yeah, Buck McFanning's going on to be at the Lord now. Buck McFanning preached my graduation address out at Golden Gate Seminary years ago. He used to be pastor of Trinity Baptist Church in San Antonio. He tells how he was playing in the backyard with some of his older friends throwing a football around in the backyard when the news came on the radio December the 7th, 1941. Pearl Harbor was attacked. And his mother came out and said, come in, boys, you need to hear this. And they heard FDR's address, this day shall be a day that shall live in infamy. And he said before he knew it, those older boys he was playing ball with were all signed up and gone, and he would never play ball with them again. And when he got to his 17th birthday, he went with his father, and he enlisted in the Marines a year and a half later. And he was sent to the South Pacific, and then to Guam, and then to Saipan. And he's on board a ship when Nagasaki was bombed, atomic bomb. And then he was sent in. He was sent in to Nagasaki to be an occupying force. He says mother had given him, his mother had given him a little Bible that he had put in the bottom of his knapsack. And he wasn't paying any attention to it. He'd been all through the war. He was really proud to be an American. He was so patriotic. He wanted to go and stop this evil. Italy, he's going to do his part like most other young Americans, both men and women during that time. And folks, those of us that were born after that time frame, we have no clue. I'm just telling you, we have no clue what went on in our nation. You can read about it, you can listen to people, but unless you experience, you have no clue. And he said as he began to walk among the, the just devastation, the destruction of what the bomb had done. And he began to see all these innocent people. He said God began to change his heart. And compassion began to fill his heart. For all of his enemies. They'd been his enemies. And he started going to a little church that was gathering. Had about 20, 25 people were gathering. A little Japanese church. And he didn't understand any Japanese at all. But he would go and he would set up chairs. And he would sit at the back. And he would read that Bible finally. God began to do a work. And God did a work. And when he returned home, he was one of the ones that came out of the Baylor. They need another revival. He came out of the Baylor revival and preached as a fiery evangelist 
and saw many, many people saved, but he said one of the most most awe-inspiring moments of his life was to go back on the 30th anniversary to that small Nagasaki Baptist church and to stand and share the pulpit who 30 years earlier, both of the men sharing the pulpit would have killed each other, both preachers, the Japanese and him himself. Total honor. And to see that God would take that message and broadcast it all over Japan and it would be brought back here to the United States because of an anniversary and he'd be on the Today Show and people would hear that message that God's love transcends our sin, that Jesus died on the cross for our sin and the sin of the world and his love endures forever. Now, I don't know what's going on in your life this morning. I know what's been going on in some of your lives for a good long while. And I know some of the grief that some of you have experienced and you probably have got bad heart syndrome right in your Aunt Sudie's. I do. Accumulated grief. It's tough. But I want you to hear Asaph's answer. I will remember the miracles and the works that God did all those times that he redeemed his people and his love endures forever. His love endures forever. Father, you know my heart this morning. You know how I wish I could fix everybody's problems, but I can't, but you can. And there's been some losses, Lord, that have moved me so that I've cried in the night and I've had no rest. I pray that you'd give every one of us the rest and the joy and the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. Help us to be able to laugh again, Lord. And have the confidence that no matter what we go through, what we experience, what we're facing, that your love endures forever. Help us to remember how you've worked in our lives. In Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. There's a hymn of invitation in the bulletin. It's hymn number 456, I think. It was the one hymn that my friend Rocky Rummel wanted sung at his funeral. So I want you all to stand this morning. And if you have something on your heart you want to pray about, I'd be more than happy to pray with you.